0: <laughs> I just had foot surgery. Well, actually, I didn't just have foot surgery. I'm six weeks out on this, so I finally graduated from the boot to the hard shoe, which I discovered on Wednesday I have to wear for six weeks. So um, I appreciate them providing a little chair for me up here because maybe I'll use it uh, throughout the day. But super excited to be here, you guys. Uh, thank you for having me. And I want to give especially um, some props to the New Life campuses for even doing a day like today. So can we just give them a round of applause? Um, I have done a lot in the realm of singleness and dating and and whatever. Um, I've spoken many different places, and it is neat to see uh, churches that are willing to give voice to this conversation and devote resources and energy and time, and I'm really excited about that. I, no kidding, I think I was 28, was new to a city and went to a church and uh, walked up to their little welcome table, and uh, these fresh, you know, friendly faces greeted me and said, welcome, welcome, and they said, you know, what, are you new today? And I said, yeah, I'm new to town, and I'm just looking at some churches and wondered, you know, where I should go, and I was in time for their Sunday school hour, and so um, there was this woman and this man standing there, and, and she said, oh my goodness, yes. She said, "Let uh, Mike here will bring you back. Uh, we have a Sunday school class for singles and those with other um, disabilities and special needs. <laughs> that is a true story. Um, I went back with Mike uh, to this class, and it was exactly what he said, and I knew that moment that if I ever wrote a book, that story was going to go in the book, because it was one of those moments of like, oh my word, I think that this church maybe hasn't had the conversation that needs to be had around this issue, but, um, but I had a good time getting to know those folks and uh, got a little bit of material out of it as well. So, um, anywho... I, uh, this is going to be a fun day because I want everyone, first of all, to just shed the misconception that we are a gaggle of misfit toys in here. Um, For the first time in US history, there are more single adults in the US than married. We are the majority. So not that we have to get some weird like power trip over that or, um, you know, or or get into some weird, you know, we don't need to have a parade or do, you know, some kind of solidarity, start Facebook groups or whatever. But I think we can just remember that in the back of our minds that hey this is this is who we are. That said, um, oh, and I was going to say um, what Jason didn't mention is that later in the afternoon, one thing I didn't put on the schedule because I didn't want to scare anyone off is that we will actually be pairing people up, um, you know, for dating relationships. So based on, uh, uh, so be ready for that because you know I'll just ask you a few questions and I'll be like you know what Justin here across the room he's I feel like he's going to be a good fit for you. So. Um, I always like there to be a value add to my sessions, so... Anyway, that said, the reason we're doing a morning on dating is because it's super lame when you have singles events and you, you don't address that as the elephant in the room. Uh, 93 to 96% of single adults want to be married, um, so it is foolish of us to act like we don't. And I often, you know, it's easy to blame married people and churches for that, but the fact is, usually we as single adults are like, don't ask me about my love life, don't, don't get into my space, don't be all, we're super defensive, and, and weird about it. Um, and so our churches are like, okay, I won't ask you because you're, you're just angry and bitter and I don't want to talk to you. And so um, I think it's great for us to put it on the table. I will offend everyone at least once today. If I don't, I have not done my job. Um, but the good news is I'm an equal opportunity offender. I offend men, I offend women, I offend singles, I offend marrieds, so it should be all, all good. So kicking it off, um, the first thing I wanted to start, and it's going to be funny because this first session is like, um, if if you're like 14, everything in this session is going to apply to you and it's going to be like the first time you ever heard it and you're like, oh my goodness, why haven't I heard this before? That said, I still like to do this session for anyone who is single of any age because I think it's something that's often overlooked and it's kind of laying the groundwork for why we don't address dating, and what some of the kind of back-end things are that have contributed to a lot of dysfunction in our culture. Because, um, you know, I would say that while singleness is awesome—we're going to talk about that later this afternoon—a lot of people want to be married. And the fact is, marriage is a biblical default. The Bible begins with marriage, it ends with marriage. There's a lot of marriage in between. Um and there are just a lot of things that play into where we are relationally and where we've come from in our culture and beyond that I think we should be aware of. So. Uh, go into this with an open mind. Uh, some of it, you're going to be like, yeah, I can just coast, whatever. I'm totally there in this area. Um, and other things, uh, you might actually have a couple takeaways for. And if you don't, um, probably if you have a friend with you, they will have takeaways for you. So <laughs> they'll be like, oh, actually, you might want to pay more attention to this area because you're a little screwed up. Um <laughs> So we're going to start out. The, I titled this as "Dating Dead" because um, f- some people, honestly, like think it is. In fact, I think uh, Jason, when he was talking, was was uh, talking about, you know, like, oh yeah, as we're in all these relationships, and some of you are like, I haven't been in a relationship since 1997. <laughs> you know, um, you you may wonder, you know, is there anyone out there still dating? Um, and there is. But, um, but the fact is, there's a lot to be said. Like I said, I want to clear out all the misconceptions and the elephants in the room about dating to begin with. Because some of you are recovering from growing up under a courtship model. Um, many of you know Joshua Harris even has kind of reneged on some of the things that he said in I Kissed Dating Goodbye he's a good friend. And so let's not totally diss him, but he's like, you know, when I read that book, I'm like, what in the world? My dad like doesn't even know a thing about dating. So why would he be like involved in my, in my dating life and stuff? Um, So there's courtship. And then there's like crazy dating on the opposite end of the spectrum where really dating doesn't look any different in the church than it does in the world. Um, You know, I have had friends who are hanging out in bars. I have friends who are, you know, all over the map doing speed dating. I've done some speed dating myself. Um, My niece, bless her heart, met her husband on Tinder. This was after reading my book. So I'm very upset about that. (laughs) I'm like, come on, girl, what's up with that? Um, So I've got some other groundwork to lay with her and some SmackDowns. But so far, they're doing okay. So the grace of God. But... um, (laughs) Anyway, so let's go ahead and, and jump in. Uh, this will be fun. OK, are you ready to date? This is a question um, because, you know again, we're, we're going to talk about singleness later. But this whole idea of being prepared to date, I am a big fan. And I'm just going to put it out here right now so that we all um, are on the same page. I am not a fan of dating recreationally, this whole idea that you know you're just going to go out for pizza for nine years with someone, and hopefully something's going to stick eventually, or, you know you, well, we don't know, I just want to at least be able to say I'm dating, you know. Um, I think it sets people up for a lot of nonsense, and this is why when I speak to parents in churches, I'm also not a fan of. Teens dating. Because I think, like, I, I no joke had this guy who's a, a big Boundless fan listens to the show. <laughs> he's a fifth grade teacher, and he's like, Lisa, there are more fifth graders in my class dating. Like, they're dating more seriously than I am. Um, they're in these weirdo exclusive relationships that are just, you know, they're, like, exchanging gifts. They're, like, involved, you know, their parents are, like, on board with this. And I'm like, oh, my word. So, I'm a big fan of um, dating and being in a position to take that relationship to marriage if and when it gets serious and actually has the ability to go somewhere. If you don't do that, you are setting yourself up for a world of hurt, including the very obvious things like sexual activity, cohabitation, which is now um, reaching rates within the church, as you see in the general um, market, you know, generally. Um, including horrible horrible breakups. I mean, you're going to you're going to be dating in something that's going nowhere. It's it's going to end and you're going to be left with a past that is just littered with relationships that have gone nowhere and really didn't start anywhere. So I am a big fan of if people, you know, people always ask me one of my Questions I'm asked the most is, you know, well, Lisa, are you on board with courtship or dating? And I say I'm a big fan of what I call biblical dating, and it is dating with biblical intention and purpose and care for the other person's heart and soul. So, um, and we'll we'll pop into that a little bit here. So, first of all as I mentioned. Most single adults are called to marriage. 87% of you will be married at one point in your lifetime. Everyone will be married at least once if you're in, in the 87% majority. I feel like I'm in the minority at this point, okay? <laughs> um, that's okay. My day may come at like around 65. I'm scoping out wedding venues that have handicap accessibility. Um <laughs> I, have, I don't know if anyone will be alive at that point to be my attendant, but it's OK. I'm going to keep my eyes open. Um, it's why I'm making younger friends now, so that uh, I will have a little posse available to me. Um, but most single adults are actually called to marriage. And as I alluded to, um, 93 to 96% of young women and men, and this isn't even just within the church. This is in the culture at large, uh, not only say they want to be married. But actually, believe they will be married someday. So, and if you're in the millennial generation, you are even more hopeful about marriage than Xers and boomers, okay? Now, Xers, I'm at the kind of mid to tail end of the Xer generation, and so we're just cynical and angry about everything. Um, if you've seen Reality Bites or whatever, we're just angry. Um, but fortunately for you all, you're a little more hopeful, and so you have, uh, you have a little more chance of like, people being like, oh, you're a fun person to be around. You're not just going to yell at me about uh, everything that's wrong with me. So um, Mark Regnerus is a friend. He's the author of Premarital Sex in America, and he came up with that that step. Um, Okay, so the average age of first marriage, many of you have heard this, and so I'm just going to walk through it. We have seen a massive generational shift from about 1960 until now. Um, You may look at this and say, three years, average age of marriage, 23, that seems pretty young to me. I'm like 29 right now and feel like I'm just getting started. Um, But actually, when you look at a a culture as a whole, it's a pretty big shift. So females, um, 2016, the average age is about 27. And males about 29. Um, You know, it's pretty much like Mississippi and Arkansas that drive this down, people, (laughs) because they're married at like 14. So, Uh, Those of us in Colorado, you know, we kind of maybe skew it a little bit higher. But you will see that marriage uh, was much more assumptive a couple generations ago. I'll tell you a little bit about my story, um, especially juxtaposed with my mom. My dad's gone to be with the Lord, uh, died of cancer. My mom actually lives with me now. She's 88 years old and has dementia. Um, My dad was uh, 49 when I was born, Um, my mom was in her mid-40s, so it's this weird like double generational gap for us. Um, But uh, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about some of her opinions uh, about dating and my love life and lack thereof, and uh, I'll make sure I have a box of uh, Kleenex up here when that time comes. So anyway, uh, just a a few statistics about where the average age of first marriage is. Um, I also like to highlight that marriage should be honored by all. This is from Hebrews 13.4. And by all, that includes single people. Uh, so I like to say that, you know, for us to to set up this weird us versus them mentality is not only unhelpful, but it's also unbiblical. And so uh, marriage, uh, as I said, is, is the biblical default. It's for most people. And it should be honored by all of us, uh, whether or not we will be married eventually ourselves. And so... I think for us to um, approach, you know, and, and we're going to talk a lot about, and I, I'll continue this conversation tomorrow at the downtown campus. Um, really, what what marrieds can do to value singles within the church and beyond. But we need to have that in our minds as well of vice versa what does it look like for us to honor the marriages around us including um, supporting them uh, talking them up doing whatever we can to encourage um, our, our married friends and their spouses uh, stepping into their space to help them succeed in their marriages um, you know holding holding fast to biblical boundaries um, in, in many ways so that we're not part of the problem and so um, I am I'm a big fan of marriage. Boundless is a big fan of marriage. A lot of people think that's weird, but I love it. (laughs) So, that said, I'm going to just launch in here. Uh, This is really what we're going to camp on for a few minutes. What I call the six markers of maturity. And this is where I said a lot of you are going to be like, "Um, I'm like 35, I'm mature. But there's always a little grain of truth in every one of these. There's six of them, so surely one of these you might find something that you can learn from. Um, This is something I always pull out when I speak on college campuses, because again, like I said, they're just like, oh my goodness, what does this mean to be an adult? Um, But these are things that, the thing that I like about sharing these, and I actually spoke at um, uh, Houston's First Baptist Church and their singles pastor, they've got about um, 1,500 to 2,000 singles in their sphere. So for those of you that aren't familiar, it's the church that like Beth Moore used to go to before her son-in-law started a church, and she had to support him, whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a very large church, and I'm friends with their singles pastor. And he said they use this like. Basically, twice a year, as new singles come into their church, just to remind them that you don't arrive when you start dating or when you get married. Everyone, whether you are married or single, has stuff that you can be growing in. And so these apply to everyone. And let's just walk through, uh, through them because a couple of them are, are pretty obvious. We'll, we'll sail through. The first is to understand and live out a biblical worldview. These are all things that every adult should be growing in, changing in, being transformed by. In order just to move into and embrace healthy adulthood, period. So, this isn't about dating, this isn't about getting married, this isn't, but these are all great markers for marriage prep as well, I will say. Um, So, this idea of understanding and living out a biblical worldview, this is not, let me tell you what this is not. This is not, I go to New Life Church. This is not. I grew up in a Christian home. This is not. I went to Christian school. This is not. I was born in Texas. This is not. <laughs> this is not. Uh, I retweet Francis Chan with regularity. Um, this is. You are plugged into the Word of God, into Christian community. You understand that Jesus Christ is the sole reason that you exist and have any hope in your life. Period. Okay. I think we get so caught up in the trappings of like what church is and what we should be doing and what social justice cause am I on board with that we have neglected the word of God as the absolutely number one transformative um, application and, and thing in our life, period. Um, and I'm going to share actually um, later on today, in fact, I don't even know if I... Got this from Brit or whatever. I, I have a, a handout for you of just a bunch of like recommended books that I just love. I did not put the Bible on it, but could you please pencil in the Bible when you get one of these? Because I realize I'm kind of like talking out of both sides of my mouth when I think of that. So um, we'll get we'll get you one of those later. Um, there are a lot of books out there that are really have been super great um, in that in that sphere, but. Understanding um, means that you, that you know the Bible. It means that you are in the word of God. It means that you are, um, you are truly being transformed. I mean, the Bible is living and active. It is, uh, <laughs> it is helpful for encouraging, rebuking, training up in righteousness. Um, we all need it, and you need to have uh, that time carved out each and every day to make that happen. But then you need to live it out. And I can't tell you how many, and this is where I this is where I call into question the difference between saying that you're in the word and really being in the word. Um, there are a number of folks in our sphere, for at Boundless, for example, um, who are like, "Lisa, I just love Boundless. I love your show. I'm so excited. I share it with all my friends. I whatever. In fact, my girlfriend and I, when we come home each night, we like listen to the show." And I'm like, interesting. I mean, they are like in churches, they're in small groups, they are plugged in, they are serving, they are whatever, but somehow there is a disconnect between what they believe and how they're living their life. And this disconnect, we have to start addressing within our friend groups, within our... We need to start being willing to call people out because I can only call you out today, you guys, unless you start listening to my show, then you'll be called out at least once a week. But... Um, <laughs> I, uh, in fact, I jokingly tell people um, when I do the spiritual gifts test, two of my two top gifts are administration and prophecy, which I like to say are like telling people what to do and rebuking them when they don't comply. So, um, so it works, works well together. But. Um, but being able to understand and live it out. If you do not have this as your foundation, um, and I'm going to actually, um, wrap, uh, I'll wrap these six things up with a little, little more on that. But if you don't have this as your foundation, uh, you can forget the other five. Number two is being accountable to a local church. This I think goes hand in hand with that. So, once again, at boundless.org, I hear from people all the time who will say, Lisa, I'm so glad I found Boundless because I just love to on Sunday morning pull up a podcast and just listen to it. And, you know, you're just, I've learned so much from you and whatever. And I say, that is fabulous. And let me tell you that at Boundless, we are here to root for you. We've got our arm around you, we are providing you with resources and advice, but we are not your church. You need to get people up in your grill every week who know you, who can call you out on stuff, who are going to be a mirror to you, who are going to be like, no, here's where you need to move. You need to move in this direction. You need to have real, live, breathing people in your life, and that comes through local Christian community. I am a huge fan of the power of the local church in your life. And I think, you know, clearly, you know, most of you, if you're here, you've been connected somehow through this. Um, You must have that in some way, shape, and form. But that said, um, if you don't, plug into a community. And lest you think you're all awesome, let me just give you you another caveat to this. Um, I'm actually a big fan of of standing up and being counted, being known within your church. So um, for my church, that involves church membership. I know a lot of churches don't have that anymore. But when you join my church, you are putting yourself under the authority of elders in the church who can come after you anytime they want, and they do. Um, I have sat, in fact, I was telling a couple of the guys beforehand, I have sat at my church where we are uh, told members to stay after the service because someone will be publicly cut off from um, fellowship with the church because of unrepentant sin. They are named, they are claimed, and they are cut off. And they take it very seriously. Um, So I mean, if that's not motivation for you to join a church, I don't know why you will be possibly cut off if you're unrepentant in your sin. No, it's a good thing because we need that. you need to be in a place where you are responsible in your giving, where you're responsible in your serving, where you're responsible in your growth, in accountability, in mentorship. All of these things are important and they're to be found in the local church. So if you're floating from church to church and you've been church hopping for the last 12 years and you just can't find somewhere, or you're doing like, you know, service here, service there, whatever, choose. Just choose. There are a lot of parallels to this, to what we're going to be talking about dating. <laughs> I I just realized that, so (laughs) flag. (laughs) Sometime you're going to have to choose, people, so start practice by choosing a church. Uh, It'll set you up well. Okay, number three, learn life skills and shoulder responsibility. Okay, the first thing in this is... Get a job, okay? This is like is going to seem very obvious, um, and I'm not I'm not here to like you know tear people down and be like if you're searching for a job or you're just really struggling. Oh my gosh, you're a loser! It's not that at all. This is one of the toughest, toughest generational job markets out there. Um, if any of you have have struggled in this space. I am not kidding you, you guys, I graduated with a, a, a degree in English, and, and then I doubled it to communications, because I thought that was more practical. Long story short, it was a liberal arts degree. When I graduated, my folks gave me a t-shirt that said, I have a liberal arts degree, do you want fries with that? Um, yeah. Um, I was very offended until I entered this space in my 20s where I did a lot of really cool things and I did a lot of really lame things. And I floundered through most of my 20s trying to figure out what in the world could I do. Now, some of this was just, it was tough. Like for a season in there, I lived in a town of 122 people. OK, that is, that's tough to find a job unless it's like on a turkey farm, OK? Um, <laughs> It was, a, it was a rough season. That said, there was a lot of me sitting around waiting for things to happen to me and waiting for life to start for me or waiting for someone to sweep me off my feet and marry me so he could support me and just rescue me from all my bad life choices. Okay. <laughs> So, at some point, you need to realize that um, this, under this umbrella, comes a number of things. This is, like i said, it's it's related to um to job searches and finding a job, and not that you're going to be in some killer career where you're just you know, I can't tell you when i when I uh, speak on college campuses, and the the kids come up to me, and they're like. Lisa, you know, really what I've been praying about is I feel like next year I should be on the stage at Catalyst um, or Passion or or insert Christian conference or insert Christian worship, you know, band or whatever. Um, and there's just this idea that, oh, I'm going to do great things for God and I'm going to do this. But I'm, meanwhile, it's like, yeah, but you are Stealing Post-it notes from your current employer, um, you're not showing up to work on time. You are you're you are way overspending what you make. Um, so in that comes every in just those life skills: budgeting, learning how to do life. Um, you know, if it is that time and season and place for you to know when it's time to cut ties with the parents and move out of the house. Um, I have, uh, when I speak to parents of young adults, I always get uh, amazing stories. Uh, one was from a woman who said, uh, she was sharing about her, her son applying to college, and she's like, yeah, she said, well, I've been filling out all his college applications and doing his essays, which I'm like, is that even, that's not okay. That's not, I felt like like calling up the school and being like, hey, yeah, heads up on this one. Um Another woman told me about her daughter who rear-ended a guy, uh, called her mom and handed the phone to this guy so her mom could apologize on her behalf um, and start getting the ball rolling as far as cleaning this thing up. So... Um, And this is kind of the, so, you know, life skills, all that kind of stuff. But what I really want to hit on for for all of us here is this idea of um, keeping commitments, letting your yes be yes, your no be no, and being who you say you are. If you are the person that hangs on some kind of event invite for, you know, a million years. And then at the 11th hour, you're like, well, maybe I can come, but who's going to be there? And what's going to be? Can't even stand that, you guys. I can't even stand it. If you do that for one of my parties, I am telling you, I will call you out. I will call you out. And I mean, if you show up at the party, I will call you out at the party. Okay. Um, Do what you say you're going to do. Be the first one to sign up for something. Be the first one to volunteer. And when you volunteer, take four people along with you and say, Join me in this. Let's give to this. Let's be part of this. Be the first one to lead with giving, with your money, with your resources, with your time, with your energy. Be the one who's going to step up and do that. Uh, Be a person of your word. If you are, you know, if you are someone who, um, you know like I said either either you say you 're going to do something or you have promised or you you know um, you 've had a conversation with someone and you know that you're kind of trending towards fudging the truth a little bit or or wanting to make them feel good about something. Check yourself in that, okay? Um, we have to be people of our word. And, um, and then, in the sense of responsibility, um, make sure that you, you know what areas of life you, know, you have the ability to have control over. You have the ability to change. Be there for that. Be the person who's gonna be um, the one to own stuff like that. Also, um, be the person who is the first to learn skills of... Um, communication and repentance, dealing with conflict, learning how to how to walk into a situation and be responsible, be an adult for it, it'll take you a long way. Um, so shouldering responsibility, being an adult, it's huge. Um, contribute and lead right where you are. I kind of hit on this, but so often, again, you know, I talk to um, to singles who are like, well, if I only had this position, I'd be able to do this, or if I only was given this opportunity, or if I only knew these people, or had these folks in my networking sphere. The first person you can lead is yourself. So start right there. Um, by doing these things and by taking ownership of who you are. So leadership begins with yourself. Once you do that well, people will stand up and take notice, and they will give you opportunities in other spheres. Or you can go just straight out and start taking some opportunities. I mean, see where you are, but don't feel like you need to um, do all these huge things or be all these huge things. Um, I love the story of um, Rick Warren, who, you know, he's the author of The Purpose Driven Life, pastor of Saddleback Church, He and his wife, when they started his church, he said, I just wanted to be this country pastor. I wanted to pastor like 50 people for my whole life. You know, (laughs) Um, that was his his dream. But he and his wife, when they got married, committed that they would give their first year of marriage 10% of their income. And every year after that, they would add a percent. So take that 30, 40 years, you can see where he was giving. Then he writes this book called The Purpose Driven Life that is, I believe, still after the Bible, one of the best selling books of all time. Okay, Rick Warren at that point could decide that he doesn't need to work again. But instead, he pays back his entire salary over all those years to his church. And he now gives 90% of his income and lives on 10. That is not because he's some rock star who all of a sudden made a lot of money. That is because 40 years ago, he made a decision to be faithful with exactly what he had. And he didn't say, someday, 40 years from now, I'm going to write a big book. And I'm going to wear Hawaiian shirts. And I'm going to go and speak everywhere and have this huge church and be awesome. He decided he was going to be who God was calling him to be right then. And God blessed that faithfulness. That is scriptural y'all. I mean, God will bless, you know, he, he will, um, uh, you know, he humbles the proud. Uh, We know that. Um, But then he exalts those that he wants to exalt. And so be honest uh, with yourself and with God in that. So contribute and lead right where you are. And again, that could be at church, that could be in the workplace, that could be among your friend groups. Uh, be the one that makes the hard decisions and the tough calls, and stands up for truth wherever you are. Then, grow healthy relationships with family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers. Um, I. <laughs> Uh, had a letter from a a Boundless fan once, who this was a couple of years ago. And she's like, Lisa, I'm getting married in four months. And I'm like, oh, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. And she said, yes. Well, it's a good thing because I cannot stand my family. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? Let me tell you right now that if your parents bug you, I can guarantee you, your future hubster is going to bug you too. Because this isn't a problem of position or life stage or relationship status. This is a heart issue, and this is a a life issue, and so um, we have to learn. I touched on this in the the shouldering responsibility thing, but we have to learn skills of what it means to relate to other people and to do that well. So. You know, with that comes. Do you know how to? Uh, do you know how to lead in conversation? Do you know how to communicate well? Do you know how to be a good listener? Do you know how to ask great questions and actually care about other people and not sit there and wait for the next thing you can say? Do you know what it means to uh, to enter conflict well and to do conflict well and to do it biblically and to love others in the midst of that and always seek reconciliation and not winning the argument and not winning the situation. Um, I'm in a a spot right now with family where I'm just, I mean, to sum it up, I'm just ticked off at them about a number of things. I'm the youngest of six kids. I'm on some level of conflict with all five siblings. Um, It is horrible. Um, And it's largely because most of our lives we've spent being incredibly passive with one another and uh, passive-aggressive. And now we've got some real issues we're dealing with. And so when it comes down to it, it's like, oh, we've never practiced for this, so now we're all crazy. And we're having to like go and clean up a lot of messes. Um, and it's really, really super hard. So doing this work on the front end is going to just give you huge gains on the back end. Um, you know, And, and this is, when, when it comes to this, and I want to touch on this in, in light of number three as well, sometimes you need to um, be okay with getting some help, okay? I am not above, okay, I went, I went through, and you'll hear about some of these coming up here. Um, I've gone through some pretty, like, nasty breakups and some pretty lame breakups, okay? Um, I mean, they were all the other person's fault, so let's be honest. Um, but in that... I realized that uh, there were a number of things that I need to grow into and out of as a result of that. Um, I have done, probably after I would say at least two of the breakups, some full-on counseling, okay? Because it was like something went awry here. I remember one guy where our big problem was like communication. Well, there were other problems, but that was one of them. I'm like, um, I have a communications degree. I should be able to communicate with people, okay? Especially someone who's a fellow believer. Can't we just like read a few verses and get on the same page and be like, oh, okay. We couldn't, and it ended up in a very bad scene and a really bad breakup. I had to go do some counseling um, after that because I was so... I felt so personally responsible for not making this relationship work, and it played into so much of my identity as far as me not being willing to fight for or to wait for or to even you know, care about and engage in, in the conflict with. Um, you may have that. And quite frankly, leave dating out of the picture, you may have some straight up um, strongholds and addictions that you need to deal with right now Okay? And you don't you don't have any business being in a dating relationship or moving towards marriage until you do some hard work scripturally and professionally on those fronts, okay? Um, so I don't want you to say, you know, yeah, well, you know, I haven't looked at porn for two weeks, so I think I'm okay. You know, or I don't want to, you know, it's okay because I, I know I've been a serial dater and I have a, a trail of like 12 boyfriends from the last 12 months, but no, the next one is gonna work out. The next one I'm really gonna hold on to and and uh, really, you know, uh, do healthily. Um, you may need to get some counseling or you may need to start with one of your pastors and just sit down and be like, I feel like, I've got some issues here that I need some direction on. You know, you need some spiritual direction. You need some professional direction. Or quite frankly, if you're just stuck in life, you might need to just go in with a blank slate and be like, is there anything in me that you can see that you think I might need some growth in? That's a hard thing to do, you guys, but that is super mature. If you're asking for help, you are asking for correction, you are asking for someone to, uh, to dig into you, uh, that's a good place to be. I love, I've heard the, um, you know, we're in a culture now that's all about, like, let's be authentic, let's be vulnerable, let's be, I'm going to go into small group and I'm just going to be authentic. OK, well, there's a difference um, between um, authenticity and vulnerability. Authenticity is going into the doctor's office and getting an x ray and having him show you that on this x ray there is a tumor. And you've got something wrong with you. And you didn't know that until you saw it on this x ray, but here it is. And let me just tell you, I'm diagnosing the problem. Vulnerability is giving him the scalpel and saying, Fix it. It's giving someone permission to step into your life, step into your space, and say, I'm going to help you move through growth. I'm going to help you move through wholeness, through healing. I'm going to help you get to the place that you need to be with God's help. And there's a supernatural aspect to that. There's a practical aspect. But you need to give someone. And I'm not saying you stand up in front of your church and be all like, let me tell you about my, my, all my issues. No, you find a few great people who love Jesus and love you and want to be part of that process. Okay? So that may be the place where you have to start. Maybe you're like, I think I have one person, but they live in Arkansas, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, I need to find a few more people. Um, So go ahead and make that a priority as well. But growing those healthy relationships is key. Um, You cannot expect a dating relationship or marriage to shore up all of the issues and the weaknesses in your life. You cannot go into a relationship to be fixed, to be completed, to be um, made whole you need to be a whole person entering there. And then finally, actively pursue marriage and family or the next stage of life. As Jason said, if you are called to singleness, rock it out, people, rock it out. Um, And we'll talk about that later this afternoon. Do what you are doing um, that you know God has called you to do. But if you know that you're probably called to pursue marriage, Start praying about it. Start thinking about it. Start doing. Start asking about it. Start looking at great marriages in your sphere and asking to be part of them. To be a fly on the wall. I'm not talking about perfect marriages. I'm talking about good marriages, ones that have the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, look at what that you know what that could look like in your life. Don't wait for marriage to hit you like the flu. And all of a sudden, you know, I, like my story, you know, I just thought, you know, at some point I'm going to lock eyes across a Starbucks, and this thing's going to happen. Okay, well, um, clearly it hasn't. So please consider me your cautionary tale at this point. Um, it has to be an active, an active pursuit. And you may be single for a season. You may get married someday, but right now is your singleness season. And it may be a season that's very short. It may be a season that's very long. But what you know is that God has called you to be single today, and that's what you have to work with. And how are you going to do that faithfully and do it well? And so um, I just want to uh, finish up here um, by saying something that I I said I was going to allude to at the beginning, and that is this whole concept of identity. Um, Again, getting back to this whole... um, this whole idea of what God is calling us to do in growth and in maturity through his word and through Christian community. Identity is another word that's just bandied about. Oh, you know, do you know your identity in Christ? What's your identity in Christ? Whatever. But it is, I am am fully convinced that about 85% of what we deal with in the church today is a result of people not knowing who God is and who God says they are. Now, I'm actually going to add a caveat to that, because some people know, but they don't believe it. We are so crippled by unbelief in the church. We're so crippled by getting caught up in our own stories and all our own past hurts or present hurts and wounds, and what people have done to us, and what you know what the church has done to us and what whatever, that we don't realize that we have at our disposal the God of the universe who actually cares about us personally. Who actually knows our story, who's well ahead of our story. And instead, we're standing around at church being like, oh my gosh. So he totally asked her out, and I thought he was going to ask me out, but it was like my friend told me that he asked her out because he liked her better, but she's like brand new to the church, and that is so wrong that she gets asked out having only been here for three weeks. And I mean, we are like in junior high, you guys. We are like in junior high, and the world is looking at us because they're just all chilling out in bars and doing what they think. I mean, they're just like, can I find anyone that's even remotely normal in my life? (laughs) I mean, my non-Christian friends are just like, oh my word, I, um, this is just funny, so I have to show you guys this aside. Okay, how many of you have ever hosted or attended a game night? Just, you, let's all have a game night. Let's, oh, I know you have. Okay, I'm gonna tell you right now that your non-Christian friends don't even know what a game night is, okay? That is so Christian. Like, that is so Christian. I'm gonna say, okay, this is, this is probably being taped, whatever, but I'm still gonna say it. I had this guy come to our singles group once. We had a game night. He had, I think his parents had been believers, whatever. He had long walked away from the faith, full on tats, gauges, massive drug addict, had just come out of drugs. And we're standing in this guy's kitchen who had hosted it and talking about, he's like, Elisa, he said, I'm just like so, I feel so awkward to be here. He said, because he's like, I know what to do in bars. Like, that's my territory. I know how to work the bar scene. He's like, even if we had gone bowling, like I know what bowling is. He said- but what the hell is a game night? <laughs> and I was like, oh my word, this is us. This is the church. We're just having game nights and we're just so... But, but you guys, it's like, let's, let's be inviters. Let be, let's be lovers, whether of the world, whether of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's choose to believe that God loves us, that he has good things for us, that we can love others lavishly because we have all that we need and we've received it in Christ. Let's be okay with that, okay? Because it is okay. And ultimately, we're going to talk about this later. Ultimately, we have a destination that is very good. And so whatever happens here, this is just we're we're, we're there's filler time in here, but there's purposeful time. And we have the opportunity to do some pretty rocking things on behalf of the kingdom, and it starts with us. It starts with the people that are right in front of us. And I think we have a lot to look forward to in that sphere. So, hopefully, We can pull um, a few little nuggets of wisdom out of this. You may be even thinking, scrolling through, like, okay, yeah, I could maybe do that. I could maybe do that. No, whatever, whatever. But um, I'm hoping that you all have a little bit of time uh, today at lunch or elsewhere to discuss some of these things as well. But um, let's have fun in the process and trust God because he is good, he is sovereign, and he truly knows us and loves us. So, All right.